0: are listening to the Spare Time Legends Podcast Network. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Legendary,
0: to get legendary, brought legendary, you legendary, 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 to Alright guys, now our guest this week is a Mr. Cullen R. Parsons who is a fantasy, sci-fi, supernatural author that I was lucky enough to meet and get to talk with here at GeekFest 2016 who are the official sponsor of this podcast, just saying. That's a plug within a plug, you know what I mean? Now, Mr. R. Parsons himself is an author from right here in South Wales. He was from the Rhondda Valley, in fact. And speaking of the Rhondda Valley, that is where you need to be on Saturday, September the 3rd, for the Rhonda Book Fair 2016, taking place at the Soar Chapel Community Centre. Now, I have an accent, and I say things differently to you Welshies. So... Soar, S-O-A-R, Chapel Community Center. It is at CF41JZ for your GPS necessities. Now, you can check that out at colinarparsons.com. There is also a Facebook group for the Rhonda Book Fair 2016. Once again, it's Saturday, September the 3rd, a one-day event featuring 26 authors that you can meet, greet, purchase a book, talk about a book that you may never have heard of that you're about to fall in love with. You can also attend panels and talk to these authors and ask them questions about anything that you want. That's the Rhonda Book Fair, Saturday, September the 3rd, hosted by our good friend and now Spare Time Legends Podcast Network alumni, Colin R. Parsons. Check him out, colinrparsons.com and let's have a listen to what happened when he came to the Spare Time Legends Podcast Network studio. It's really becoming a mouthful. Thanks for tuning in once again, folks. Hey! Perfect song, perfect if I do say so myself. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to another brand new edition of Get Geeked, brought to you, brought to you by the one and only Geek Fest and of course Sin City Comics, formerly of Combran, soon to be of Newport, South Wales, but we'll get Shane in here to tell us more about that soon. Welcome back to your favorite geek chic and nerd podcast. Now many of you know that I also host a podcast called Legend in My Spare Time, which was based on... Musicians doing things in their spare time, and that's very telling or very truthful for our guest today as well, because I believe that's how things started for him as well. So, uh, my guest today is uh, a gentleman I was lucky enough to meet at Geek Fest, as well as his wonderful wife, science fiction and fantasy author, and he is the one and only Mr. Colin R. Parsons. He's sitting across from me now. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. You are ve- you are most welcome. And um, you know, within a few moments of meeting you. You had already, in a playful, friendly way, taken a dig at me, <laughs> so I knew right away that you were a perfect candidate slash victim for this very podcast. So That's true enough. You're most welcome to be here. Now, um, as we started off there, um, I had mentioned obviously that legend in my spare time being a musician. That was sort of a, a play on that. Where I was going for with that was obviously you've mentioned to me now a couple of times that you originally started just kind of writing in your spare time, as it were. Yeah. Was that always your goal,
1: ideally? though, was to be a writer. Well, um, in the beginning, I didn't even know I was going to be a writer, if, mm. I'm, if I'm honest. I uh, kind of had an idea about it when I was younger. I was What kind of started me off was when I was a kid, I, I used to send cards to um, family and friends for Easter, birthdays, Christmas, that kind of thing. Right, And I found that instead of putting, for instance, to Auntie Olive happy birthday from Colin, I would put 2 Auntie Olive and then write a couple of lines, like a kind of short story, sure. and then say love from Colin. So that might have been in me when I was young, when Four, I started yeah. off. Mm-hmm. What got me actually into writing this, uh, the short stories and then turn into a book was the fact that uh, I started writing short stories later in life when it came up to 40. Yeah. Um, my I, I've got two sons, Christopher and Ryan. Ryan is my younger son who's just... Um, but he just graduated and he's got a job up in London. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. But he, um, he was falling behind his English. His English teacher used to um, edit and proofread all my short stories. Uh, I thought, give it to an English teacher. She's going to give me a really good feedback on yeah. it. So she called myself and my wife in one day and she said, um, Ryan is falling behind his English. I said, what's the problem? She said, he's playing too many video games and he loves sport. And that's taking him away from actually doing a lot of reading. And he needs to read for him to get better with his writing. And she said, he needs to read more. And I said to her, well, wh- what can I do? And she said, I've read all your short stories. I've edited them. They're brilliant. What you need is to, is to write a book for, for uh, Ryan to read and to get him to read them. And I said, um, I don't even know where to start. Hmm. She said, he loves wizards. Yeah. At the time. So she said, um, why didn't you write them a wizarding story? So I, I ended up writing Wizard's Kingdom, which was my first book. All right. I did was write 10 short stories, but I linked the characters and the plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And turned each short story into a chapter. Right. Got got my best friend, who's an artist, to do some illustrations and a, and a cover wrap. Yeah. And sent it off to like a million publishers. Right. It got squashed and rejected by every one of them because it was naively it was the height of harry potter disc, right, disc right, world with teddy pratchett right and wizarding stories were done to death yeah so um i kind of self-published with athena press uh they liked it it did cost me quite a few thousand pound at that time because i'm going back sure but i made all my money back and more and then they went out to business and c- kind of went on from there yeah so the, the factor of going
0: into the the leaning towards like children's novels was basically for your son to read, which yeah, is a yeah. beautiful thing, isn't it? It um, was,
1: he, he, he kind of, um, he read was his kingdom. He enjoyed it. He went on to then read blood brothers and, uh, of Mason men. Cause that right. was all to do with his uh, school projects. Yeah. Uh, he got into art and then he, the rest is history. He's, he's starting a job as a graphic designer up in London. Yeah. So it kind of stemmed hopefully from there. Yeah. It
0: helped. It sounds like it helped both of you really didn't yeah, yeah. change the direction for both of you that way. Um, One of our questions that we had sent to us online, because we went out today on our Facebook group and asked for any questions that anyone may have for us, Uh, one of them does sort of go towards that. Uh, It's from the one and only Luke (laughs) Skywalkley, a good friend of the show, uh, owner and CEO of moviemarker.co.uk and former housemate of myself. So there we are. Uh, We'll get him in here one day and tell dirty secrets about each other. (laughs) Um, But uh, let's see here. So. He's asked, uh, how do you adapt your style of writing for children as opposed to, say, writing for teenagers, adults? Is there a way
1: to adapt that the, style? The, the, the lines are getting blurred these mm. days because um, children are kind of not children anymore. They, they're looking for the darker stuff. Whereas when the Harry Potter, uh, Harry Potter series came out, yeah, uh, that was kind of light. And as the series went on, it got darker and darker. So children want more graphic violence, yeah, um, fast-paced action. Yeah. So you've just got to kind of tailor it so... There's not so much, there's no swearing yeah, in there. Right. Uh, to be honest, when it comes to the part of the graphic violence, they, they love ripping heads off, poking eyes up, yeah. blood spurting from veins. I just got to kind of dumb that down a little bit. Sure. So that uh, it, it doesn't get too much. But uh, as you go from children's to teen and young adult, then you, you just uh, kind of lay it on a bit thicker. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you've got to keep the intensity there. Uh, because if children read stuff and they get a bit bored with it, they'll just sling it and, and look for something else. And turn the Xbox back on, yeah, sadly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. N- and that's why they're probably
0: into these veins and heads exploding and yeah. things like that because they see that they yeah. see it in video games. And yeah, it's, uh, video
1: games. is in movies. Yep. I mean, when I was a kid, uh, it, nothing was quite that graphic. It yeah. was more innuendo than anything else. Yeah, But th- these days now with all this CGI and, yeah. and there's a lot of graphics, slow motion, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so they want to, they want to read about that as well as see it. So yeah. you've got to make it exciting. I have fight scenes and things that uh, are really exciting and fast paced without too much of the graphic yeah. kind of, kind of um, yeah, the, the graphic
0: realism. And yeah. I'm, I'm always teased for being kind of a baby, which isn't untrue, but I <laughs> think I find graphic violence like that takes me right out of, things yeah yeah whether we're watching game of thrones which i wish i could i wish i could invest more in it and enjoy it more yeah but the graphic violent content takes me right out of the show so i never end up enjoying it fully or fully paying attention to the story because yeah that graphic violence took me out of it for five minutes so i think it's nice that not everything has to be blood guts no. and gore you know you can have a great story without it i mean, like you said many you know it was most of the time most things weren't like that yeah you know yeah. at one point they weren't it was more in you you like some of the scariest films i've ever seen are alfred hitchcock yeah the majority yeah. of those things happen off camera and you're getting reaction shots and yeah. blood splats and sounds cheesy in today's yeah. era but those are still scarier than the modern stuff jaws i mean there's a little bit of gore in there but jaws is still one of the scariest movies i've ever seen yeah and that's not gore and graphic and CGI in your face. I mean, you probably only see the shark a handful of times, <laughs> yeah, that's but true. terrifying because it was good storytelling, maybe because it came from a book perhaps, um, which that was an accidental segue, but I'll take it and run with it. Yeah. One of my questions was, um, a lot of books these days, a lot of authors are finding their works, um, transitioned into movies. Yeah. I won't be naive enough to ask you, would you like your book turned into a movie? Cause I'm sure that's a yeah, slam yeah. dunk. Yes. <laughs> my question regarding that is if that were to happen, big movie director says they want to make your book into a film are you you may not be just one or the other but would you be a the guy who's happy to cash the check and say you run with it or you be the guy that wants to be there on set going uh that's not that's not
1: the words that i wrote yeah that, that, that's that's a really difficult one because mm. um number one uh, an author would strive to to, well, to to get a friend of mine has just that his uh his book turned into a film yeah and it, it's it's amazing to have it on screen but then again um you you don't want people to to look at a movie and think, Oh my God, it's 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 terrible and they'll turn away from the rest of your work. Right. Uh, one of them being like Eragon, the um hmm. the movie with uh Christopher Piellini. Yeah, right. I mean the movie's awful, but the books are tremendous. So um I I would like to be the one on the set trying to kinda of direct them but trying to hold off as well. Yeah. Because uh, I think it was George R.R. Martin with Game of Thrones. He was saying, Well, that horse is white, not brown. Right. Things like that is material, really. But I, I would like to have some kind of rights on the movie so that sure. I, so I can keep a grip. And yeah, and say, look, it, it didn't kind of run in that direction. Yeah. But then again, if you've got somebody like Spielberg and saying, well, we're going to run with this and add this in, right? Because a, a lot of films now have have got scenes in and they're not even in the books. Of course, yeah. Like, I think even J.K. Rowling's gone with that. Yeah. Well, The Hobbit. I mean, the book is yeah that big. Yeah. Uh, and the movie. There's three films comprising of what six hours? Yeah. Seven hours. And and there's characters in there that's not even in the book. Exactly. So y- so so I don't know. It is a difficult one because if they yeah. offer you like a hundred thousand or or a million pound to do it. Right. What, what, what do you do? Do you take a chance? Um, it's hard re, to say. But you don't him to ruin it either. So that, that is a difficult yeah. one. When I was a young man, you
0: know, with stars in my eyes, playing in rock bands and writing songs, I would have been the person to say, no, 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 that's the lyric. This is the way the song goes. Yeah. Now, as I sit here, I would certainly be, check for how much? <laughs> you want to change the word? Nope. That's the, the, the check. Rachel, did the check clear? <laughs> you can do what you want with the song. It's fine. But I've, you know, I think I've had that big yeah. turnaround because i used yeah. to be when i was young i would have yeah. slapped me now for even thinking that yeah but yeah depends on money on the table is a hard thing to Got to pay, pay the, the bills exactly you got to pay the exactly bills. yeah um and that's obviously another another thing related to that obviously you are now self-employed by yourself as a full-time author yeah is is there ever sort of an underlying worry or fear uh in that you may or may not know where the next paycheck is coming yeah from? uh is there the, a, a lull time where you sort of you know, because obviously every day I wake up and go to work. That's my job. Yeah. But obviously you don't always know no, that there's no. a paycheck on route. Well, I mean, I, I mean, hope that's okay to say.
1: My, yeah. Yes. I mean, <clears throat> my job literally the money that comes in from for me is doing a school visit, yeah, presentations and workshops, yeah. um, royalties for books and things. And unless you're at kind of David Walliams level where you get in, I don't know, twenty thousand pound a month royalties yeah. worldwide, mm. then it's, it's it's the school, um paycheck that that uh, keeps you going yeah but um no um i kind of sorry i've lost myself that's know, okay that's good um what was the question again? oh so just
0: basically is there an underlying fear or worry sometimes yeah, where's yeah, that next paycheck coming yeah
1: from? it's um it, it's it's kind of you, you can you can get a, a whole lot of work in and you build the money up and then you think to yourself over the next few months, it, it could be dead and desolate. That's so, right. So, so it, it, it is. It's, it's probably like a film star. Film of star, I think. Okay, I'm right up on top of the hill, and then uh, am I going to die? And that'll be the end of my career. Yeah. You, I always think, am I going? There's nothing wrong with stacking shelves in supermarkets, you know, but course. am I going to end up doing that in in a month's time or something? Right. That's always in the back of my mind. Yeah. But things seem to happen and keep you going, and yeah. little projects. Absolutely. And I'm hoping, like, the one day you get somebody will either look at your book or um, check out an audio uh, format or something, think, yeah, we'd like to use this for a film or something. And then that could, if you've got a lot of money in the bank, you've got a lot more that you can do. Yeah. And you don't worry so much. Of course. But, but uh, I would like to be comfortable then.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's again, I talked about being a kid and now. Yeah. Back then, I wanted millions in the bank and a yeah. mansion and everything. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, as a musician touring the world. Yeah. Right now, I would just love to make enough money to, to pay the bills doing this podcasting yeah. or, or playing music around pubs, you yeah. know. I mean, would be more than happy with that.
1: T- t- it took me years to get, I mean, both. I've, I've been three and a half years now as a, as a self employed author, mm-hmm. or just self employed, basically. Yeah. And that was scary within itself because you've got to, because st- I've always been in um, a clock in, clock out kind of environment. Yeah. Um, all my life, I've always worked for somebody. But then w- when you get a chance to step over that line and become, uh, kind of self-employed then all of a sudden you you've got to make sure that you've got an accountant and mm-hmm. all, all this, this this superfluous stuff like uh, public liability insurance and dbs right. checks and all that kind of thing yeah and you were the one who's looking for the work whereas before you'd have a paycheck at the end of the yeah, month of course yeah so but I'm, i feel privileged that i'm doing something that i've always wanted to do yeah and i've managed to keep it going even on the lean times yeah so um because a lot of people come up to me and say, wow, you, you, you're a full-fledged author. And I think, yeah, I, I do feel privileged. Yeah. But there is always the worry that it's not going to be there next week. Mm. And I, I wonder whether I'm going to end up back um, struggling to write again and, and working somewhere where right. y- you're not happy. Right, yeah. So th- th- this is something that really is enjoyable. It's, yeah. uh, like I said... I have a big amount of money, but I'm happy with where yeah. I am at the moment. You
0: just got to, and in that case, you have to just enjoy the ride, don't you? You're having the time of your life now, living the dream. Yeah. You just have to enjoy it, embrace it for all that it is, because, like anything in life, I mean, it's like anyone. You yeah. could walk out tomorrow and, you know, yeah. bus. You, yeah. you have to enjoy every day as much as you can. Well, and that's been a struggle for me in the past as well, but it is much easier once you have something to retire to or something else to look back on and focus on, like writing or music yeah. or creating. Well,
1: well, what I like about it is, is um, because I do school visits i call the shots yeah when i actually walk into someone i say well i need that there that there i'm going to run this at this time yeah whereas before it was i'd clock in and somebody say, well you're there today or you moved you're there today we're not happy with your work but with the job i'm doing now without blowing my own trumpet i've got really good at doing it mm-hmm. and i've evolved mm-hmm. made a lot of mistakes in the beginning but my presentations have gotten more natural mm-hmm. um, and my workshops are more enjoyed by the school children that I, that I, I do the workshops yeah. with. So they're building up stories. So I work with uh, what's called um, able writers and reluctant writers. And I enjoy it and they enjoy building the stories up. So at the end of the day, they've got a story finished and the reluctant writers feel more confident in themselves because they, they've made a story up as well, yeah. which is... Um, I feel at the end of the day, it might sound a little bit sugary, but I, I feel good about
0: myself. Yeah, of course, and that's that's a beautiful way too. You know, when you do feel good about yourself, that way, it's it's not something everybody always gets to embrace, no. but it is a great thing when you've done well, yeah. you've worked hard, you've accomplished your own goals. Yeah, no one stood in your way. No one, you know, uh, not in an egotistical way towards you. No one helped you. No one no did no. it for you. You did it for yourself. Yeah, with the support of your family. Yeah, and it must you know it's an unbelievable feeling to do that. I mean, on a, on a smaller scale, even doing a podcast, it was. Yeah. 2008 when i said i want to do a podcast yeah. and some of my friends are like what the hell is a podcast yeah <laughs> you know so but from there you know I, I like you said i call the shots i decide what sound clip goes where and what song goes where and what the episodes are called. And that's my own little universe as it were, where I get to decide, no, I want the title to be this. Yeah. And I want to sit down with this person or that person. And I don't want to sit down with that person. (laughs) No one specific, but I just mean it's it's my little universe as well. Yeah. In an ideal situation, this would turn into big money. Yeah. Um, And you know, not even big money, like we said, comfortable money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I'm i much, I'm I'm happy with the fact that I get to do it at all.
1: Yeah. So, the, the the total turning point for me was uh, before I became self-employed as a writer, I, I, I'd i been writing these books and they'd been selling well because I, I started off with Borders Bookstores and went on mm-hmm. to Waterstones. But when I was put in front of an audience and standing in front of, firstly, it was 300 children, I kind of went white, my legs my, yeah. went like jelly. And I thought, am I going to get through this? And I thought, once I got through that, I thought, oh, I, I can deal with an audience. That's so right. It's, it's like getting dropped in the deep end of a pool. Yeah, yeah. You either sink or swim. Exactly. I could have turned my back on it, and I thought, no, there's something there, and yeah. I, I mean, I enjoy doing it. It scared the hell out of me when I did it, mm-hmm. but then once I got over it, I had that warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah. Here. Absolutely. Uh, and I went on from there, and it's got better and better. Yeah.
0: It's you know I worked uh, through school in radio broadcasting. I think it was similar for me because I used to be in the. In the basement of my parents' house in Canada, mixing my own little tapes and talking into a a cruddy little mic that I had (laughs) and doing, you know, live on the radio, blah, blah, you know. And then I get into high school and realize they've got a radio station. Yeah. And I think for me, that was the moment where I went, whoa, there's an actual radio station. (laughs) And again, I thought, that's what I'm supposed to do. I know that. But the first chance I had sitting in front of a mic just like this one. Yeah. And everything, I went, everything just shut down. And I thought, I can't, I can't do this. (laughs) But I had the same thought of you as part of me wanted to go, no, forget it. Yeah. The other part of me stayed in that chair. And yeah. then who knows, obviously I didn't end up working in it as a career, but I got to experience it. I got to do everything that I wanted to do from it. Yeah. And I now get to do, you know, this from that. But yeah. it was that moment, like you said, where you could have run. Yeah. Sink or swim. Like you said, you know, you mm. get that moment and you just have to take it, embrace it, run with it. Yeah. You know, and it's taken me much like yours probably has taken me to some incredible places that I never would have gone to if it wasn't for that first time in front of the mic when I. Yeah. You, you Just did it you the get first meet, time, yeah.
1: You get to meet different people, and they got and another thing that the, the more you do something like this perform in front of people, yeah. I mean, besides the writing part of it, um, doing schools a strange thing kind of when I, I do a primary school, all the children are sitting on the floor, and you were standing above them, yeah. I find that when I'm doing kind of academies, because a lot of schools up in England run academies now, mm-hmm. you walk into a theater, right, and the, the chairs uh, all set in tears. Right. So it's kind of like uh, a lecturer standing in, in a right. university, and that's a different experience again. Of course it is. And I, when I first did that with a clip-on mic, right. and you're standing there, you feel about two inches tall, yep. and you're looking up to people. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of, it's the Welsh humor, I think, mm-hmm. got me through that. And uh, I did my first one. A teacher came up to me at the end, and he said, that was amazing. He said, because standing in front of people who are looking down on you, it's really difficult. Yeah. And he said, you handled it like it was nothing. Yeah. And I thought, wow. So it just my confidence got better and better.
0: Yeah, and that's I think that's a big part of it. With modern day now, with Facebook, Twitter, YouTube events and things like that, you can't just be a writer anymore. No. You no. can't just be the guy in the in the room writing it. You have to be a face. You have to be able to, if called upon, yeah. stand in front of a crowd and entertain them. Stand in front of a Facebook Live video or a YouTube video yeah. and address them and not look yeah. completely uncomfortable i think it gone are the days where you could just be good at one thing yeah if you want the full experience now like you say you go to all these conventions and con, and mm. uh, book shows and things like that you have to be good at meeting people shaking hands c- shaking hands and kissing babies is what i was yeah it. yeah that's um you can't just be the writer anymore you could but yeah. you may not have the living you know the, the experiences that you have from it in that case um something that would terrify me about that is kids are they not the scariest audience in the world <laughs> because they are so unfiltered
1: they, they, are. That's what I like about it because yeah. they tell you exactly what of course. they think. They won't they, pretend. They, they don't know anything back. And, and if you try and be condescending, yeah. they pick up on that straight away. Yeah. So I kind of, I think that the the, the, the magical tool that I've got is the fact that I, I never got past the age of eight. So, Perfect. So I'm exactly the same level as right. they are. Yeah. And I can have fun with it and yeah. and. Um, it brings out the best in them as well. And once once you start a camaraderie with the audience, what I find, it might be like a stand-up comic or mm. uh, somebody doing a presentation in in a big auditorium. If I get a couple of children laughing in the front, it ripples back to the, yeah. to, to the back of the audience. And then once I've started on the second kind of humorous joke or whatever, mm-hmm. they're still laughing from the first one. Yeah. So if, if I'm doing uh, presentations and stuff, for instance, World Book Week, which used to be World Book Day, but it's gone on week, fortnight, anything. Yeah. You, you, you've got an audience of maybe 500 children. And once you've got them laughing and the room is filled with laughter, then you can ad lib and mm-hmm. I can throw things in there. And it's one big enjoy, enjoyable yeah, experience. It's when it kind of, you, you don't get nothing, no feedback. And, and it just goes like um, a tumbleweed. Yeah, that, that is the really difficult part. Of course, and I can,
0: uh, I can embrace that. I mean, you've seen me in that, situation (laughs) at a geek fest panel, which had less than a few people there. And I've had those moments of like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, in those cases, I have the advantage, which you don't have is that I can turn to celebrity guests that have done really cool things and gone, Hey, you were in star Wars. Let's, Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, But there are moments where I'm up there going, what are we going to (laughs) talk about next? I hope this guy talks for at least seven minutes because I've got nothing.
1: (laughs) But you have because you've got a real skill. It's the
0: ad lib though. And I think it's exactly what you said. It's the confidence of once you get over it. Yeah. Um, And I think for me, it's because there are many times in my life I have made a complete and utter tool of myself (laughs) in front of huge crowds. Yeah. That doesn't bother me anymore. Um, No. I was uh, in a production of Grease where in the middle of, I was one of the T-Birds and in the middle of Grease Lightning. (laughs) The Grease Lightning car hit me square in the, between the legs in front of the entire school. Another one where I was doing a monologue and a kid to the front right there ripped a big fart. (laughs) Whole school laughs at you. Yeah. I mean, there's so many occasions where I've just stared out, gone, well, I didn't die. (laughs) This is one of the worst moments of my life, but I lived through it. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. And especially at a con where everyone in the room is there for the same reason. So even though there are only six of us, yeah, we have a great time talking to these celebrities and things. But I think there's just so many times where I have made a fool of myself that now it just doesn't... I'm not afraid to make a fool but of myself you, anymore.
1: You, like I said, you've got a real skill because I watched mm, you up you. there. And um, like you said, the, the, the flat moments, you... I, I don't... It's your personality, but also it's your accent as well. Because um yeah, it's like w- cheating. A well-rounded accent—you mm. you can you can prolong words and things, which um, keeps you going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, as regards to getting lost in the middle of a performance, I look to people in my mind like Eddie Izzard. Right. Yeah. Um, who else do I look at? There's, there's a couple of kind of really good comedians out there mm-hmm. that get lost. But they gloss over it, and you just you just yeah. don't see it because it, it it looks like part of the the set. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and um, is an old comedy duo? I don't know if you know him, called Cannon and Ball. Oh yes, of course, yeah. And um, I I've seen them a couple of times live, and they're so funny, even if they mess the sketch up, mm-hmm. which uh, that, that that keeps doing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, go on.
0: Oh, I think for me, I'm similar. The, the with me, I think it's um Vince McMahon is the person I think of, who is obviously the the godfather of wrestling, shall we say? Oh so. yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know wrestling is a work. It's a storyline. Yeah. He would be the writer. So, you know, he'd be the, the JK Rowling to the Harry Potter universe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a very loose way to explain it. I don't need any wrestling nerds texting (laughs) me or tweeting me. I know I'm being vague, but you'll get my point. And he always says that because it's live entertainment, there are no mistakes. Yeah. If you walk in the ring and trip over the bottom rope, you meant to do that. (laughs) And that's how I try to handle these panels is, Hey, we, we planned that, you know, and I don't mean literally, but you just try to roll with it naturally as if, that's supposed um, to happen.
1: I mean, years ago, um I don't know if anybody remembers Parkinson. Parkinson is uh, like the an viewer. interview show. Yeah? Yes, yeah. And he had Meg Ryan, the American mm-hmm. actress. Mm-hmm. And you can watch that on YouTube. It is such a dead interview. Yeah. And um, I mean, Michael Parkinson is brilliant at what he does. Yeah. And he still couldn't get no life into the interview. So, right. uh, so sometimes you can't really back in. It's just who you've got with you yeah and just hope that it rolls
0: that's usually when i resort to telling a stupid story about myself <laughs> and making people get one or two giggles then i'm like okay we're we're flowing again now yeah back in the room but
1: but i uh, going to uh the conversation a little bit earlier about uh, authors who don't want to do all the performance right. stuff yeah i get that a lot when i'm doing i don't know um perhaps an event or something they'll come up to me and say i want to write a book but that's yeah. all i want to do Right. I, d- I don't want to do all the social media stuff. Right. I don't want to actually meet people right. and put myself out there. You can't these days. You've, no. you've got to do everything. You've got to be a bit of a stand-up comic. You've got to be a personality. You have to, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to the, the internet. Mm. I'm learning a lot more, but y- you've uh, you've got to know, put a few tweets in there, some yeah, posts, and yeah. blogging, um, and you've got to meet your audience. and. Uh, you've got, you've got to do kind of, I don't know, uh, an interview in a library or something. Yeah. You have to, uh, yeah. And get, get better and better. You at just it. have to
0: keep your name out there. Keep it fresh.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, even with, with
0: podcasting, I find the weeks where I go on Twitter and I am a bit annoying tweeting yeah. the episodes out and yeah. Facebooking them out, even if they don't get any retweets or likes, um, I find the listenership is bigger because I've yeah. gone every day and I've said, Oh, this episode's still available. This is yeah. still available. And there's no bigger uh, listenership than when you get other people to retweet you and things like that so it's it's part of it has to be that way and the only way to get around that would be to pay somebody else to do it yeah but then you're not you're not in it for the right reasons and that person will never care as much as you do about your book if you were to hire somebody to go to all the cons and Um, sell your books no matter what he could be the greatest guy in the world greatest salesman (laughs) in the world he will not care as much about your book as you do no and that comes across and I think that might be part of the reason why kids enjoy listening to you as well because there is no facade there's you know you're very friendly very natural and kids can like you said kids pick up on that right away straight away yeah and they know that people like us are kids inside as well (laughs) so we kind of get along better because we're like you said we're on their level yeah as you can tell from the room we're sitting in i am on a child's level (laughs) however that's just fine you know it's it's one of those things um we'll jump online again for another question we will spend some time talking about the book for as well yeah Um, but um uh, once again, to Mr. Walkley, sci-fi, um, oh, sorry, as a sci-fi writer, do advances in technology factor into your ideas and plots?
1: Advances in technology. Yeah, yeah so yeah. cell phones
0: and I yeah, and yeah, that yeah. kind of um, thing.
1: Yeah, they, they, I mean, uh, I love sort of uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, all that kind of stuff, yeah. Doctor Who, um, and looking back at the original kind of Star Trek, where you had the flip phones and stuff on the communicators yeah, and things. that's right. And where they say science fiction these days, is a lot of it is science fact. Thing, things are cars, mm-hmm. are, cars are parking themselves these days. Yeah, and, and they've they've got kind of hoverboards and that kind of thing. But I, I I do use a lot of technology and and research a little bit of technology to to make sh- because you will you will get people reading stuff yep. and saying, well, no, that doesn't quite work there. Mm. So you've you've got to research a bit. I I do uh, invent a couple of um, kind of instruments that's, that are not have not been put on the market or whatever and w- would never work in a million years. But you need them to tell a story. But I so. need them to tell a story, that's yes. You're right as the writer, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah. It's my I'm a fantasy and science fiction writer. I can do what I like. That's exactly exactly. I, I, I tell um when I when I do interviews with other people I say if I want, for instance, an aunt to play table tennis with a troll in the Gobi Desert and the, and the aunt is winning, who's to say I can't? No. So so <laughs> with, with with technology, you try uh, you, you, you introduce it into there because it is science fiction. But like I said, a lot of it now, you've, you've got um, blogging and, and uh, video phones and, and all this, everything is, some of the stuff you try and make up is already on the market. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, unless you've got like a, I don't know, a gel you can put on your arm, which you can communicate with somebody with, that'll probably come out before Uh, yeah unless it's already out so i i I do or or you could have um i've always thought of like carrying um like a weapon or something in a small box in your pocket so when you open it out and take it out it goes to full size yeah and then you can miniaturize it put it back in the box Things like that I've always liked. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I, I do use a lot of technology. Yeah, What I do like mostly in a lot of my stories is almost impossible situations that you manage to get out of. The Kobe, Kobumashi, Kobayashi Maru. Is that what it's called? Uh, <laughs> like the, 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 the Captain
0: Kirk, you know, the test that all yep. captains have to pass, but there's right. no answer to it. Right, okay. And he cheats in the end. <laughs> That's been an argument on podcasts before that I've had. And just to clarify once again, he did cheat. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. He cheated, so he didn't actually win. <laughs> That's the fact. I probably just started another war on Twitter. <laughs> but did you know.
1: I answer the question on the? Um,
0: of course, you absolutely it? did. Definitely. Yeah. Um, now let's see. I think Luke had one more for us as well. Obviously, being a, into to film and science fiction, you know, he had a he had a lot to say. Now this one, I know you mentioned you ask a lot of questions, you answer a lot of yeah. questions, you do a lot of. You probably had this one before, mm-hmm. but as a writer, uh, what's your biggest inspiration? Is there a particular book or author that was a big inspiration for you?
1: Well, this is uh, what I use in my presentation, actually. It's, um, I was, I mean, I'm, I'm outgoing now, but when I was like a, a school kid, I was always kind of introvert. I was um, scared. I, I was always knotted up going to school, all, all nervous and things. Mm-hmm. And we had to stand up in class and read stories out. The teacher would have um, a book on all, we had desks in those days, these yeah. tables these days, but the teacher would have a book in the classroom and we had to pick the book up, stand up, and kind of read a section of it and put it back down. And when you stand up in class, it's like a spotlight goes on you. Yeah. And it doesn't really but be standing there and it feels like everybody's watching you. Well, this is what happened with me. Um, we walked into the classroom one day. I, I I loved writing in English, but I hated reading out loud. And the teacher put a book on each of the desks. Uh, we also, I said, I miss what's happening today. She said, we're going to be reading from the book. And... I was so terrified, mm. I even tried to sit on the desk in the corner where it was kind of a little bit kind of darker because the, the light above was kind of dimmer, Right. hoping that the teacher wouldn't pick me out and the teacher was picking everybody out, so I, I had no chance there. No. But the book we picked up, I started to read it and then I, I was shaking at first, very nervous, tripped over a lot of words because I I, I didn't read a lot as a kid. Until I got into this, mm. and I started reading it, and I got into the story, and I zoned out of who was in the classroom. It was just me and the author telling the story, and I could remember remember reading this out, and then the teacher telling me to sit down, then because somebody else had to get up. Right, and, uh, and the book was *The Lion, Which in the Wardrobe*. Uh, C.S. <S. 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 Lewis, absolutely, <clears throat> and that's what kind of got me I- into writing stuff yeah. because you had all these talking animals. It was a different world. That's right, uh, and. Uh, it's just a wardrobe, a piece of furniture that go through it and you, you ended up in, in another world, yeah. Narnia. I even checked behind my wardrobe when I was a kid to see what was behind it As we all did. Dis- <laughs> and We all got disappointed by that, didn't we? <laughs> and, and that's what kind of um, got me into all this, yeah. was reading from, well, um, C.S. Lewis, H.D. Well is the yeah. time machine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I loved the part of the Morlocks and the Eloi. Uh, that was another scary part which isn't scary anymore the original movie Mm. with with the 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 Morlocks who had him underground
0: right right.
1: Uh, George Wells wasn't it so uh, how did he get out uh, and, and these things were dressed up in the most awful costumes. There was no CGI and stuff then. It was 1960, I think. Yeah. And that scared the hell out of me. I thought, mm-hmm. how's you going to get out of this? Yeah. And that's what intrigued me to read more. Yeah. And that's what got me into the whole sci-fi genre, yeah. I think.
0: I think I used to read a lot of uh, Famous Five.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Blighten, and I, Eden and I, I,
0: was, I don't remember which book it was, but I remember one specific one where uh, crazed criminal had escaped from a local prison and the five were there probably on holiday as they usually were yeah. but i just remember this the descript the one of them laying in a like a, a a building hiding from them glass windows there and i remember the description of him laying flat on the ground as this criminal or somebody walked by the window you know as he lay there and watched and i still remember being a kid reading it getting goosebumps and thinking yeah. he's right beside it. but it's just, <laughs> you can close it it's gone but it's yep. still like you're so immersed in that that world of that uh, bfg was another one as well yeah. for me um the bfg was again scary moments that weren't scary but yeah. for me they were scary because it's giants threatening to eat you <laughs> there's a new film coming out i don't know yeah. how well you know that's going to do but yeah. it'll never beat my mum reading it to me as a child yeah so it's already going to lose there <laughs> right but um no that's um that's role
1: darling isn't no, it the absolutely of the bfg what scared me as a kid was uh, the daleks oh yes and uh, looking at it now, I, they still scare me now, actually, because mm. they can actually fly now. They couldn't fly when I was That's right. Kid.
0: Before, you could just run up the stairs <laughs> and go, ah. <laughs> you can't. Know, no more, no.
1: They got little kind of jet rockets or propulsion systems That's underneath.
0: That's right. Which they needed. It was pretty ludicrous. They can fly around <laughs> the universe. But three uh, steps and they're done. <laughs> yeah. Cooked. We can't go to any
1: planets with stairs. And obviously, they, was, they were um, thought about as salt and pepper cellars. That's right. So, uh, and some plungers and, and whisks and stuff. Mm. But th- they did. They were, you had know, they one eye. And if, I mean, if you check a bit of mud or something over the eye, they were lost. But it was just that they, they were like inhuman. They were artificial. Yeah. yeah. And th- that used to scare the hell out of me. But uh, mm. th- And they went on from there to... Uh, what was the name of the robot in... Um, uh, the Zorg or Zord uh, oh, in yeah. the day the Earth stood still. Yeah.
0: Uh, yes, I'm seeing him in my head. It, but
1: it's just standing there, hmm. and it's not doing. And then the the, the visor comes up, and he got that light. Yeah. Scary. scary, yeah, really scary. Yeah,
0: not these days. It has to be gore and Go- bodies being ripped apart. Gore, actually,
1: was in it? Was it gore? It might have been. <laughs> Twitter.
0: Once again, once this goes up, Twitter will light up with people telling us yeah. this is the answer. I
1: don't
0: know when they'll figure out it's pre-recorded. And <laughs> they're just like, "This is the answer, you idiot." Well, we recorded a week ago, so thanks for that. Um, no, we're just kidding. We love our loyal listeners. Uh, now, for those loyal listeners who are local. There is a great event coming up very soon. We've been talking cons and events and book fairs and things like that. Um, now, ironically, an event that I'm unable to attend.
1: Yeah, heartbroken.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was. What are the odds that I've got one Saturday in the next like two months that's busy? As you said, I'm, you did that on purpose. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, went camp, I went home and went. Did want to camp. Rachel, book something for this day. Book <laughs> immediately. Whatever. I don't care what it is. No, we're going to see. It um, doesn't matter. A musician. <laughs> it's not going to be as much fun as the book fair. Um, so it's in Rhonda.
1: Yeah, it's in. It's called the the Book Fair 2016. It's, yep. it's actually kind of the second one. We did one last year, but it, it wasn't well advertised, and not, not a lot of people knew about it. Right. Uh, I was in partnership with somebody else, and it didn't kind of work. Mm-hmm. We did get a small footfall, but this year, I'm um, taking by the scruff of the neck. In the Ronda, we don't do many literature events. Right. Um, and we needed some kind of, we need people to get back to reading. Doesn't matter, it doesn't have to be kids, it can be adults, it can be yeah. middle aged. Mm-hmm. And I thought myself, well, I'm, I'm going to carry on with this uh, kind of tradition. And I've put together the Run the Book Fair 2016, which is a Facebook page as well. I have got together, besides me, there's 25 authors there. Mm-hmm. And the, the amazing thing about this event is that the authors are not just children's or teen or young adult, they're adult authors who, uh, who write crime fiction, yeah. poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, they write horror. They, they write uh, steampunk, uh, wartime. It, there's, there's all kinds of genres going on and there's uh, some pretty big names as well. I mean, uh, you've got people like Catherine Collier who's been r- written 40, 50 books. She, she's a Welsh writer. She's uh, Some of her books have been turned into films. You've got people like... Um, Sharon Tregenza, she's an award-winning author. Mm-hmm. You've got, what else have you got? I've got a list in front of me here, which I'm not going to relay a lot of them. We've got Steve Lockley. Steve Lockley actually wrote a couple of books for Ghost Whisperer, okay. which is the American series. Sure, with Jennifer Love Hewitt. That's that's the a one. Former crush of mine <laughs> when I was a young man, many but, moons ago. But uh, it's, if you're into history, mm. we've got historical books there. We've got, um, what else have we got? We've got uh, Chiclet, if you, if you, if you like... Uh, I don't know, uh, romance or teen stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Sci-fi, fantasy, children's, young children's picture books. There are are 25 authors there besides me that that we're going to be doing author panels. There's going to be a day on the 3rd of September where we've got all these authors in one room. Then we're going to be doing author panels. And you can come along because a lot of people pick up a book in a shop or or a library, and they don't get to see the person who's written it, unless they're a big name like J.K. Rowling, mm-hmm. uh, Terry Pratchett, who's no yeah. longer with us. So you can go up and say, well, "Wow, this book is amazing. How do you get to do this? But How do you get into it?" Yeah. And the the author panels, you can ask them any questions you want. And I I go to uh, different author events to talk and ask questions to different authors because I'm still learning, mm-hmm. even though I've got. Eight or nine books out. I'll have about eleven books out by next year. Uh, you're still learning as a writer, and I like to ask. And authors pinch ideas from other authors, or they pinch you from a TV show or yeah. a, or a newspaper mm-hmm. clipping. So the run the book fair is going to have. vast amount of authors to have a brilliant day and there'll be tea cake and coffee as well
0: we can't argue with that (laughs) tea cake and coffee
1: uh so uh saturday september the third in the ronda valley what's the venue called the venue is called soar chapel community center it's in penny greg which is in the heart of the Mm ronda uh it's it's such an easy venue to get to it's got a lovely theater in there it's got a big glass panel on the front um, I think they actually filmed Stella with uh, Ruth Jones who, who did the Gavin and Stacey yeah. thing. She mm-hmm. did Stella there as well. So if you'd like to come along, you can meet me. I mean, I don't know if that will do you any good, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> and all these other people there, and it should be a really good event, especially yeah. Especially, I mean, if the weather's good or not, it's somewhere mm-hmm. to go on a Saturday.
0: Absolutely, and, and be able to shake hands and, and meet people that have created yeah. these worlds that, you know, you may be familiar with or maybe you won't. You might meet a new friend as in new characters in a new story you never yeah. knew
1: existed. I mean, um, l- last year I went to, um, I think it was last year, we went to the Hay Festival, which is, I, I mean, this event I'm doing, I'm hoping after a couple of years it'll pick up and it'll get really uh, like a landmark in your diary. But I, I went to see uh, Neil Gaiman last year. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of got the tickets. I got to the front of the theatre where he was doing uh, having a QA and. That was thrilling for me. This guy guy was standing in front. He's a legend. That's right. I mean, mean he's done Coraline. He's done Good Omens with Terry Pratchett. He's done Stardust, all these amazing uh, books and films. And I got to have a book signed by him, and I could hear of his life and how he got into it. I love hearing kind of other people's uh, biographies and things and where they they got into it. So this is what, I mean, you could go along to my book fair. You could meet somebody and think, wow, I want to do that and you could end up being an author yourself. Because
0: so. you'll get to hear from somebody who's a, a regular human being just like you that will say to you, well, I did it. Yeah. Why can't you do it? I was able to pull this.
1: I mean, I, I came from nowhere, to be honest. Nobody in my family that actually wrote anything. There were a couple of unassumed artists in my family. My brother's pretty good at, at art, but he, he let it go. Mm-hmm. My uncle was pretty good at, at art as well. Uh, he didn't really take it anywhere. In those days, you didn't. You didn't, unless you were, you were a big... Degrees and stuff from right. universities. Uh, there was nobody in the family who read much, mind, no, wrote anything. So right. I'm just happy that I got to where I am now. Yeah, and absolutely. I think there's a lot more opportunity these days for um, children in schools and stuff to pick up and do journalist course. Absolutely, and all that kind of stuff. So definitely needs the world needs
0: creative people, doesn't? Yeah, it? No definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so that's the Ronda Book Fair 2016 Saturday, September the third. And uh, that's going to be at the Soar Chapel Community Center uh, from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, that's correct. Right? Yeah. And as you said, you can meet all the authors, 25 in total. Uh, there will also be uh, panels, and uh, you'll be able to actually ask Q&A questions to them and just have a, a really cool, enjoyable chat. Those of you who are loyal listeners of mine may have just put two and two together and figured out why I may have been there. <laughs> but, alas... No, but that might be an advantage. To be honest with you, it's no—it's <laughs> no. Lo- it's an advantage that you don't have to deal with the the, the grumpy Canadian as well uh, as the cosplayers at Geek Fest realized this year. Uh, but I may be able to help you with that situation. I may know a guy. Yeah, I may be able to put you in touch with a guy. Oh, who can help brilliant! You. Okay, I'm doing it in my mafia voice because it <laughs> makes it exciting for me. Uh, here's an idea for a book for you. Ready? Right. Great. Okay. Now again, you're the creative one, not me. <laughs> so right, cool. forgive the holes in this. Shoot, it's a very basic idea. There is a podcaster who's doing a podcast much like we are now. Right, okay. And right out there, now they're doing a live one. They're streaming it live, let Oh, say. okay, yeah. There are going to be holes in this already. I can already <laughs> feel them. Outside there, for whatever reason, the world ends and the right. majority of civilization is gone. Right. And all that's left is this community of podcasters that are streaming live to each other. Right. So you've got, say, one here, one in Mexico, one in wherever. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Say, however many of them. And their only connection is that they're on this live feed together. Right. And of course, they don't know what's happened out there. The guy in Mexico may say, "Oh, this has happened in our city, and this is what we've heard." And then the guy in the states, "This is what we've heard." You know, mm-hmm. now why the internet still works after the end of the world? That's <laughs> why I'm telling a writer about <laughs> it. You can invent something because that's your right. My mind's going that It doesn't it's You can just pick anything, you know. Uh, but basically, I think really my only concept is that maybe you could write a book about a podcaster saving the world.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, from my side, my point of view, on my side of it is, is if I look at the practical stuff. Right. Even though I'm I'm a fantasy and sci-fi author, that that have to be fantasy because if you've got kind of I don't know 200 podcasters worldwide, right. And it's the end of the world. First thing I think about is food and drink because they're going to die at some point. Right. Well, <laughs> I thought of that.
0: They're going to eat Cheetos and
1: drink Monster because okay. that stuff doesn't have an end a sell by date. <laughs> so that might work. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> um but that that's actually a, a good concept because um so they don't know outside they don't know because they're because they're
0: podcasters you can also sort of maybe stereotype a little and say that mm-hmm. they're not the kind to really go outside yeah so maybe a group of them doesn't even notice for two weeks because yeah. they've been playing call of duty and they're like what and they open their curtains and the world you know it's what? all burned up and they're like whoa
1: <laughs> well strangely strangely enough um i've been watching a series on no, sky atlantic i think mm. it's it was called the last ship right where there's a the world has been taken over by a virus right and it's only the people who are really remote that that Right. managed to get away from it. So it's the same kind of thing. Right, we, so they stole my idea, basically. <laughs> yes, and they put it in a film, yeah. Um, Already, <laughs> even though I'm, it's time travel, okay? They've traveled in time, Listen to this podcast, stole yeah. my idea. It's, it's, so so you, you move it forward. Put, being put on the spot, like is, is difficult. <laughs> but, so uh, I, another practical thing I think about is what, what has actually ended all the world? Is it a virus or something? Or is it, yeah. is it a, a, an atomic bomb or something? Yeah. Do they seal the windows up and, and that kind of thing to, to keep the outside world? Yeah. Yep. So, um, And what do they talk about after a while? Is it their fears? Is it their hopes? And yeah, do you, do you know it would I mean? have to
0: get into that eventually, wouldn't Yeah, Because it? it wouldn't be interesting for them to just talk about video games the whole time and not notice the world's over.
1: And t- today I even picked up something on the net today saying that they found a planet that's more or less the same as Earth. Right, so you can. Uh, the air is is, is okay and it may have running water and stuff. So maybe they podcast into each other and they may know somebody who's got a, a lab or, uh, I don't know, a, a little kind of, um, what do you call it, an airport or something where right. they can, they've can they got a rocket ready to go. You never know. And they could all talk about it and maybe think, that's oh, right. that's that's our only escape route. That's right. <laughs> and they can help
0: build it together. So the guy who's building yeah. it say, like, this part doesn't work. And then one guy in this part of the world says, I know how to
1: fix those things. I'll show you on YouTube. Well, you've you know, got or, you've got all this going. So you've got so many different plots and subplots. Oh, of course. And like, said, uh, there's another author friend of mine. He's um, when he first wrote uh, his first short story when he was a kid. He said he was stuck on a train. Then he realized later on that that he couldn't get off the train. But there's so many doors and compartments that he could have got off anywhere. Yeah. So you've got to think about when you're writing this. Okay, podcasters, the world's coming to an end and stuff. Uh, where do they go what do they do yeah. uh, i th- they'd have to be in, in an underground kind of um you would think tomb or uh i don't know uh, a sealed kind of bunker or something yeah. so yeah, yeah you, you could take that. i i'd go into that if well, I was well this is why
0: you're the writer because <laughs> you know i'm just a, i'm not even an idea guy i'm just a pitch guy what about this and this cool idea yeah
1: well I I, I I throw an idea <laughs> down uh, i throw an idea down and i i go for most authors know where they're going most authors would have the beginning the middle and the end of the story yeah. I never have. I, I get an idea and I think, okay, where, the, where will this take me? Yeah. And once, if you've ever read any of my books, if if you get excited at certain parts, I was excited when I was writing it. If you come to the end and think, whoa, I didn't expect that. Well, I didn't expect it and he jumped up in front of me. Yeah. So um, I, I feel my way. It, it's sometimes unorthodox. I wouldn't say it's the way to go. A lot of authors plan out everything, which yeah. prob- probably is the best way, but it, it doesn't work for me. Hmm. I kind of branch out. I have a subplot. I bring it back in. I think, oh, I can add that. I can add a trapdoor there. We could have a rabid wolf chasing them over there. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's a bit ludicrous, but then you go back over it and you polish it up, and that's when the story yeah. really comes yeah. out. And so. I've never
0: been able to create with all the steps in mind either, yeah. be it radio, podcast, anything. Yeah. If there's a set I find almost stubbornly subconsciously, yeah. I'll say, Pff, I don't have to follow that guideline. I want to do it this way. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's all much more natural, which I imagine is quite different because I do hear about a lot of authors that have it, like you said, they've got. Yeah. I've seen pictures of guys that have post-it notes on the yeah. wall. And at the end, they've got so-and-so, podcaster saves the world. Yeah. In the beginning, they've got <laughs> podcaster survives the end of the world. Yeah. And then the rest of it, they just start working to fill it all in. And yeah. And then they, you know, I think Back to the Future is the biggest one. The That's yeah. a film, obviously. But yeah, in one of the documentaries, they talk about how they had it all. And then they just worked their way through it. So Marty invents rock and roll at the yeah. end because he does the Johnny yeah. B. Good riff. Yeah. So he said, obviously, we need to establish that Marty McFly can play guitar. Yeah. So back here, I'll put a scene where Marty McFly plays guitar. Yeah. And I always thought that was really interesting. It's not, I can't work that way. Yeah. I thought it was a very clever way for them to work their way through and go, this happens because this happens, so now we have to establish that.
1: Yeah, you you change one chapter, chapter 17, and in chapter five, you, you may have messed that plot up. Yeah, It's it's strange because... Um, Ian Rankin, the, the crime fiction writer, mm-hmm. th- when, when they're checking this stuff out, I've got, to have, I've got to have some kind of notes on what the characters look like, colour of eyes, hair. Yeah. Because uh, Ian Rankin, he could change the colour of the eyes t- about three different times by the time you get to the end of the story. Right. So the editors know about that now. So, but like you said, you could have 40 chapters and you change some little significant thing in chapter 27 mm-hmm. and it could mess up three other chapters. Yeah. So in the end you've, you've got to have some kind of system but but i go over my stuff again and again and right. again and you smooth it out like a like a shirt you're ironing and yep. you see a kink there you know you've got yep. a, i'm saying ironing i never iron at all my wife does all that <laughs> laugh. she, she <laughs> i would think laugh. i can hear her laughing out <laughs> from the living room <laughs> <laughs> but no, no it you've you've got a i do start off with something and it flowers in, into a full um adventure right. but you've got to reel things in and think well even though i write fantasy. There's still certain things that have got to make sense, yeah. but it's, it's identifying with the characters. A, l- a lot of people like my stuff because they, they they I use all my five senses when I'm writing. Yeah. So um, if they identify with a character who may have run down the street and caught their arm on the wall, then I I put in there what does that feel like? Mm-hmm. D- does it burn? Does it throb? Yeah, yeah. What did your face? You know, right. What, what? What? Where you were? Did, what does it smell like? What does it sound like? What does it taste like? Yeah. And then they think, oh, yeah. It it does. It does. If, if you've got a, a fire in somebody's garden, you can smell the pungent s- smoke, and it does tinge the back of your throat yeah. and, and make yeah. you cough and stuff. So um, I think that's what actually, mm. why people like reading my yeah. stuff.
0: And I think especially with sci-fi fantasy, if you can associate with the characters and if the people are real, yeah, you'll listen, you'll watch, you'll read them and put up with them doing just about anything. Yeah. Because you believe in the, the people that are in those situations. Yeah. Uh even something like an only fools and horses. Yeah. Because those characters live and breathe. Yeah. We believe that Del Boy and Rodney got themselves into a lot of trouble. That most other shows you'd go ridiculous. This would never ever happen. But because you believe those characters so much, and you, you know, you you live through them almost. You know, yeah. I hear many people say they grew up with Rodney. Yeah, because he, you know, he grew in front of us on on the TV. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah. Um. Again, because they're such real characters, you'll take just about anything in an Only Fools. There's Only Fools about his wife having a miscarriage yeah you know and you you go with it you flow with it you cry with them yeah because you're so invested in all the characters so i think definitely the realism of characters is something that really brings people into it
1: well i can t- i can tell you one thing that um i wrote wizard's kingdom which is a small trilogy my first trilogy and i i had to kill a character off uh, coming in, i did kill a few characters off in the story but coming to the end i had to kill a, a key character right. i won't tell you because obviously spoiler alert a spoiler alert but i was yeah. writing the last part of the book and there only it's only a small trilogy it's only i don't know, 150 pages whatever mm-hmm. and my wife came up to me and i was crying i was literally crying as i was typing yeah. and she said what's the matter and i said um i've got to do that and she started crying yeah and it's because the one character felt like it was my uncle or, of course or, or a father figure uh, or, yeah. because the series took me five years to write mm-hmm. and you feel like you know the characters. Of course you and do, And they're yeah. part of the family. Yeah. And you get upset if something happens to them. Yeah. Uh, one mistake I did make was I had to kill a horse off. Right. And my wife said, you can't kill the horse off. Kill 10 million people. But you can't fight, kill the horse. Can't kill. So I had to bring the horse back in, a, in another kind of way. Not right. giving too many spoilers away. Right. Okay. But <clears throat> uh, it's that kind of thing. You identify with the characters. You learn of their humor, of their sadness. Um and if you've got a character, that have got certain traits, then if you write something that you wouldn't do, you'll get readers saying, well, he wouldn't do that. Right. And you think, yeah, cool. you've got to think about what the of readers course. as well. Because yeah. they're
0: going to they're gonna live and breathe through that person. Yeah,
1: they? exactly. Exactly.
0: Did you know ahead of time that you had to ax off this character and was there part of you that was like, oh, I'm going to have to start getting ready to, you know, off little Billy, well, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to go with a completely <laughs> random name that wouldn't be in a sci-fi book, so there's no spoiler yeah, at all.
1: It's kind of two endings though, but I went... Uh, Forgive me if there's a <laughs> character named Little Billy, and you're like, come on, but, man. But uh, it, it's kind of like when, you, when you're writing a soap, I suppose, or a, uh, a series, that mm. that character has run its course. And even though with Wizard's Kingdom, they're wizards, they last for hundreds of years, uh, you've, you've got to bring a new element to it, and you've got to... Uh, kind Of get rid of one character to, to make the story flow, and that, that's how we go sometimes. Yeah. You, you know, there's something going to happen with it, but uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 difficult. You can't go because that, that's the problem I had writing is that I couldn't end a story properly, right? I, and in the end, I had so many different projects or so many sequels going there that it just grew too, too big, so I had to end it at certain times, yeah. So, I, I, I used this character and he had to go. And like I said, it it was really, it was a traumatic time. So I went to bed that night and I felt really sad because you, as as if it had a funeral. Right. Of course. In the family.
0: Because you had, in reality you had. Yeah. 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 It's a character you created. Yeah. Everything about them happened in your head, in your mind, in your fingers. And then you made the decision to obviously off that person. So it's, and,
1: and, and, um, I I get people asking me when you're doing these things because they'll ask you how do you get characters, names and all that kind of stuff. and, uh, for Wizards Kingdom uh, I'll just let you in the secret that the characters names I picked from the medical cabinet right uh, I've got right. a medical cabinet in my kitchen with I don't know um, you might have foot creams or headache tablets or whatever right. and I picked a couple of uh, medicines then and I turned the names around in them and, and they ended up as characters Perfect.
0: <laughs> I do always worry, wonder that about anything like yeah. that books movies films I'm yeah. always like How do they come up with all these names? Like, because I can never come up with a name that sounds real. Yeah. You know, I'd say Zach. And I
1: can't. It's not a real name. I can't do it. Zach Fredrickson. Not a real name. Well, there's a character in Wizard's Kingdom called um, Zendal. Yeah. And I used to take a tablet for. um, I used to get, what do you call it? Like, I don't know, acid in the stomach. Yeah. Acid reflux or whatever. And it was Zorton. Right. So I I changed Zorton around and I ended up Zendal.
0: Zorton sounds like a villain anyway, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's the actual villain from Power Rangers. Oh, it could <laughs> be. Zordon, Zorton. Um it's it's very cool. I mean it's, you know, it's obvious that you really enjoy being able to do it, yeah. which is, you know, it's wonderful. I find too often in the world I hear of not nice people getting to do wonderful things. Yeah. So it's nice to meet you know, you and your wife are both fantastic, lovely people, but mm-hmm. it's nice that you also get to live a dream and that you're you yeah, know yeah. you're happy. I feel the same about when I talk to John Levine at, at our concert Oh, yeah, Q and yeah, yeah. Nice guy. He's a happy man. Like he he isn't happy all the time, don't get me wrong. He's yeah. an emotional being. Yeah. But he's just such a great person and I just want good things to happen for him and you know, that sort of thing. So it is nice that, you know, mm-hmm. you you know, we were able to meet at the con. This is the main reason I do them, to be honest. Yeah. There's no egotistical reason I do any of these QA's and panels other than I love to meet people. Yeah. And just, you know, you can mention you can immediately connect with people as i said at the beginning you took a dig a friendly dig at me within minutes and i thought it's <laughs> my kind of people <laughs> yeah. uh i think we both were actually discussing our wives and how yeah. we ended up with them <laughs> and then we agreed to no longer pull at that thread because <laughs> it's just you know the house of cards as it were yeah um it will collapse around you absolutely now you've almost yeah. made your full podcast debut right the time flies by it does we're having a fun conversation i usually finish by asking people some of their favorite Um, books or TV shows or movies Um, for yourself uh, have you watched Stranger Things on Netflix I haven't
1: but I've heard good things about it on Facebook or whatever I imagine
0: everyone's recommending it yeah
1: yeah everybody is isn't it like a 1980s
0: yes it's it's amazing Uh, it's I would say set in the the late 70s or 80s um, if Stephen King would have written The Goonies yeah but mixed his papers up with The Poltergeist okay That's the kind of story you're getting out of this and it's, is it going to go this way or that way? And you, there are parts where you have no idea what is going on, but you're never like uh, that was, it's so unbelievable. It's again, one of those things we've talked about where characters live and breathe. These characters are real. Yeah. And when you finish watching the, I think it's only eight episodes. Oh, right. You get to the end and you actually miss the characters. You find yourself going, yeah, I wonder what those, you know, I miss the, I miss having them there to watch. I think you would love that based on our chat about what you're into and things like that. Yeah. That creepy side of things, very, very cool. Yeah, I, I, I love the dark yeah.
1: thing. I, I, I love, I love the the movie Cube. I don't know if yeah. you've seen. Yeah. Where you, you don't know what's in the next room. Right? Yeah. The, the, uh, before we go, the the most difficult thing because mm. nobody ever asked me this question. So okay, up, sure, please. <laughs> uh, what do you hate about writing? Okay, let me ready. We'll uh, we'll <laughs> make it
0: all professional. <clears throat> what do you hate about writing?
1: <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I hate. Um, the word is difficult for me to say, but choreographing choreography, yeah, yeah, uh, a fight scene, right? Oh, yeah, choreography of a fight scene, yeah, yeah. I I, I hate that, right? Because um, it's really I f- I find that the most difficult to do. Right, I can do all kinds of people disappearing, right? Uh, in- interesting ca- uh, characters, suspense, and all that kind of thing. But when they have a, a battle scene, and you've got I don't know George R. R. Martin or Tolkien, yeah, did, did it with all these thousands of characters because. Uh, it's really difficult yeah. to put it into context. Yeah. And that uh, that's the hardest thing for me. And I know that in certain parts of my books, I'm going to have to put that in. Mm-hmm. And that, that's I hate that part of it. Uh, I, I'll do it on editing. I, I do hate editing, but the, the choreography is the yeah. hardest part. And if you're a good uh, writer when it comes to doing choreography, it stands out. If you're not... Because I've read a couple of books that I will not say the authors are. Mm. It doesn't quite work for me. Right. So I try and learn from that and try and do the best I can. But Mm. there's only so many times somebody can punch somebody or knock their heads off or whatever. Yeah. So that's the hardest part for me. Oh, uh, definitely. I
0: can, again, it's something I've never even considered that every movement and every inch of everything is written by, so it has to come from somewhere. So you have to, it's not just as easy as they fight. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> period you know you have to actually describe all the word and you
1: know and you've got a picture in your head yeah. when you're reading You think wow yeah he's just jumped from behind he's been pulled on the neck yeah. and it's getting all those movements into the story yeah and if he's got his right arm around your throat where's his left arm yeah is he, is he pushing somebody off so that it and you've got to go over it and over it until you get it perfect because like i said you, you get a reader there saying well, hold on you got a sword why didn't you kill him with the sword right like, oh yeah he has yeah. a sword. Yeah. Uh, i mean there, there was one author who uh, or somebody wrote a short story in, in one school i was a kid he, he said uh he landed in a different world with a dog uh, his dog went in there with him and he didn't mention any more about the dog right and as he got to the end of the story he said what happened to the dog oh yeah i forgot all i <laughs> forgot about the dog so
0: well i i may have a muse for you then not to sound like a a pill pusher, but you may want to check out some wrestling, <laughs> specifically the Royal Rumble. The Royal yeah. Rumble is when they take 30 guys and stick them in the ring together. Yeah, yeah. So you've got guys everywhere swinging yeah. punches and yeah. kicking, and it may show you some ways the body, you never yeah. know. You yeah. may look at that and go, so if I
1: read one of your books in the future and go, arm drag, I'm going to go,
0: he's been watching some wrestling.
1: <laughs> you never well, know. Well, you, you look at Star Wars or whatever, mm. when they got massive fight scenes on. Yeah. When you've got the clones or whatever fighting there, and right. you got all the Jedi and stuff. Somebody must have choreographed that. Every single And it must have gone down in diagrams and yeah. in instructions and stuff. So, how do you put all that together? You've got to start from scratch and you've got to really build it up. Mind blowing. And that, isn't could, it? that could take longer than the actual story. A yeah. uh, couple of final questions for you then. Do you have
0: a test subject who reads, just, is it the same person that, who reads your stuff first?
1: Well, my wife actually, uh, I wouldn't have somebody to read your stuff that you're really friendly with. Right, I'm not saying I'm not friendly with my wife. No, of course, <laughs> but my wife—I'll edit that part out. Don't worry. <laughs> my wife tells it like it is, and yep. um, she used to proofread all my stuff. Uh, I've got another reader now who does exactly the same thing. Right, he he will take it and he'll say brilliant story, but right, and t- like my, my wife years ago, she said I loved that short story before I got into writing the books, and she said um, but there was a part where they got from the car to the airplane I said yeah well you use your imagination they moved across the the, the airport and tarmac no I can't picture right. that on my mind so I had to rewrite it yep. so now it makes more sense yep. so she will tell me like it is and I thought to myself yeah that's true enough you've got to picture it mm-hmm. and you've got to have somebody because if you write something you want to be an author and you write something you think that's really good and then you, you give it to your best friend or your mother or something and they say oh this is a really good story and it's not the story could stink but you need to be told it does to to make for you to improve it. You need that loyal friend who will go, Yeah, this isn't working. You may fall out with them, but uh, because when you send your stories off to a publisher, they will tell you like it is when they bring it back They say okay we like the story but that part doesn't work there and they will take it apart and, yeah. and you've got to put it back together
0: and you can't get hurt by that can you no you no can't you have thin re- skin
1: rejection is the biggest part of being a writer i have been rejected i mean this is a cliche but i've been rejected loads and loads of times. Yeah. i've got a, a stack of reject letters in the attic now which i could pierced the wall with yeah and it's i don't know if my story wasn't good enough or whether they weren't looking for something that time yeah it's but, so hard uh, to know but it's uh, and you could go to another author another publisher and they could say wow that's what i'm looking for that's it's right like, it's like taking your car for an mot that's right you could have um five different garages and they give you five different quotes r- yeah ideas. quotes for yeah
0: mm. yeah it's mm. <clears throat> sorry I got a frog in my throat yeah. there uh, so yeah I mean you, you can't get you can't have a thin skin you can't get hurt no, by that no. was that a learning process for you as well or was there a point where you were like how dare you
1: you, you do get kind of hurt yeah because you, you
0: spend your life well, your, your life juice as it were it sounds yeah. gross but you're pouring yourself into it yeah yeah For then someone then to go I don't get it I don't yeah. like it is there well, a part of you that's like what do you
1: yeah what do you mean you don't like well, it? House of Dark I've got a, a book called House of Dark mm-hmm. and um, I sent the manuscript off Pegasus Got hold of it. They they sent it back to me, and they said uh, we we need to elaborate on the characters right at the end. And I I said, well, the ending I've got. I said I I thought was was pretty good. It kind of tied it all up and indeed bow. Yeah, but we need to know what happened to them before they sailed off into the sunset. Right. Did did they jail as friends and stuff? So when I re looked, I thought they are right yeah i mean these people edit all the time and the the books are up to a certain standard and the reader has got to understand you mm-hmm. were there writing the book mm-hmm. but you've got to th- uh, have other people to give you an angle i think that book will sell a bit more if you dig into that character a little bit That's more at right. the end or so i rewrote the end part of it made it a little bit longer and they said yeah this works mm-hmm. and, it, and i've had people come up to me and say wow i like the ending and I thought, well, the original ending I had, perhaps they wouldn't like that. Yeah. So <clears throat> there, there is a creative side to it, which yeah. um, I don't know what I'd do if I was offered, like we said earlier, £100,000 for a book, but the editor would completely demolish it, mm. and they want a different ending, and they want the characters changed. That's got to be hard. But then again, they know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. But is that? that's <coughs> not much different to... Working a normal job on a,
1: in a factory, really yeah. is it? I
0: mean, sure, it's complete. It's yeah, yeah. In one hand, it's completely different, but in the other hand, it isn't because yeah. if it's, I want you to write about a, a guy named Bill who wears blue shirt.
1: Like Bill, uh, is that the same <laughs> name again.
0: I think it's just an easy name to go to because I've never known a Bill. So Bill it's never, Billy, yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to actually offend anyone or be. But you know, it's if I told you everything about the book and I want this to happen and this yeah. to happen on page seven, I want this to happen. Yeah. Your job is. You're not creating anymore you're tight ty- you're a typist, Almost. Uh, yeah you?
1: yeah It's kind of go straight didn't it, Yeah. Right? You,
0: because you're just being told what to yeah. what to put down on that um well, that's great, so I'm sure you're always asked i mean you've given some great advice through the chat here, but any any advice for a writer uh that that wants to get into to, to writing you know other than i mean think I think the obvious advice from for mm-hmm. what I would take from that is from your experiences just to do it to get out there and actually make sure you <clears throat> to, do
1: it if if you want to become a writer. Uh, you, you've got you've got to have the passion for it to be honest because it, you you can't write a book and then you want it to become a, a bestseller and mm-hmm. perhaps you want to go on to something else. To me, it's not that you want to be a writer; you, you just want to make a lot of money. Yeah, that's right. You've got you've got to, you've got to um, write something that you really believe in. Um, you've got to make characters that that, that are really believable. Uh, uh, if if you're that passionate, you you will you will dedicate yourself to it. I, I mean, they tell me you're supposed to write a thousand words a day. Uh, so that it doesn't matter if you're writing rubbish or whatever. Uh, I don't believe in that. I only write when I want to write. Mm-hmm. So, sorry. Could you could give me the question again? Sorry. Uh,
0: I, the question, advice to new writers and yeah, people to aspiring to writers. <clears throat>
1: um, <clears throat> if if you, the old cliche, which is right enough to be honest, is you've got to read a lot. Uh, the, the more you read, the more ideas you get. And it yeah. doesn't, doesn't matter what you read. It doesn't matter where you pick up from. But th- that's a big part of it. Mm. Um, th- then, like I you said, you've got to spend a lot of time writing the, the story you are in, but you've got to go over it and over it and yeah. over it, till in the end you detest that story so much you don't want anything to do with it anymore. Mm-hmm. That is the passionate part that comes into it. Uh, wh- once I dig through the layers and get right down to the characters, then... That character would, I don't know, lift his eyebrow and you know who the character is. I, I read um, a lot of Derek Landy books, the mm-hmm. Skullduggery Pleasant series. right? And that guy is so good at writing that when he's doing a dialogue, you don't even have to have he said, she said, you know who's talking to whom because you can hear the characters in your head. Yeah. But um, if you want to, like I said, if you want to become a full time writer, read a lot. Authors pinch ideas from television series, a sign yeah. on the road, a newspaper clipping. And you make it your own. You don't plagiarize. You, you make your own story out of it. But You soak it up
0: via osmosis almost. Yeah. You get yeah. better ideas. Because yeah. I find I'm a better podcaster when I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. I'm a better musician when I listen to a lot of music. Yeah. Because you do sort of soak it well,
1: in. If, if I haven't read for a couple of days, then I find that my ideas are kind of drying up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I read different authors to see how they do it. Like I said, you're always learning. You're always evolving. I don't know if that works for like artists and that kind of thing. I imagine it it must. (laughs) It it must still. It does. But but you've got to keep at it. And um, whatever you've written, write it down, leave it, and then come back to it tomorrow or next week and you can see all the holes and how badly it's written. That's nothing against you. Mm -hmm. Any writer will write something down today and they look at it uh, tomorrow or next week and it's awful because uh, that sentence doesn't work with that sentence. Uh, that word uh, doesn't work there. It's got to be smoother. I mean, you, you could write something and think, wow, I put this massive word in there, and it sounds really good. And mm. it, it, but it, you could use a simpler word, and it could mean just the same thing, but the sentence would flow smoother. Right. Yeah. And if the reader re- reads you a story and is not jerky and is enjoying the flow of the story, then you've done your job that's why i go over it and over it and sometimes i'll have a paragraph and i, I read it and I, I leave it and i come back and i'll read it again and I think that just doesn't sound right and then I, perhaps i'll put it away for a while come back to it and think oh, it's that word that word doesn't work right you put it in there and it's completely changed it yeah and it's more flowing and th- the best part of becoming a writer is when you get the advanced copies of your book when they I come imagine. through the door and you open up that little uh box, cardboard box, and the, the books are there, and you pick it, out of it. Wow. I put it six months or a year into that. I did and, this, yeah. And it's actually here. Yeah. And that's, and for me, I mean, I've got, I think it's eight books out now, and, and you know, by next year, I'll have about 11. Each the, time a new book comes back, wow. I feel exactly the same as, as Wizard's Kingdom when that first came out. Yeah. I, it's still as exciting now. Yeah.
0: I think that's part of the advice then, isn't it? That you have to be excited about it. You have to love it and enjoy it. Otherwise, you won't put enough yeah. passion into it. I mean to this day i remember the first time ever hearing one of my songs on a college radio station yeah i don't mind admitting that i shed a tear because i'm sitting there yeah. and all of a sudden he goes and now here's it's, this it's I'm, the, yeah and i'm yeah. looking there going I, this is yeah this is us on the radio and i'm yeah. calling people going i'm on the radio <laughs> and they're like i don't get that station it's a college station but still it's that, you know yeah. I imagine it's the same as ripping open that box and seeing your book in it your world your creations yeah um are there any ideas, as we close off, any ideas brewing right now that you can oh. hint at for us? Something that you can, Is there something coming next that you can sort of uh. say and hint at? There is well, an, is my,
1: my, my wife would probably just look and roll her eyes at this point because the problem with me is uh, why I call myself a writer is because I've got, what, five projects on the go at the moment. Right. Um, I do a lot of school visits, and yeah. I visit a lot of different parts of the country, and I'm actually writing something at the moment called Tram
0: tram because okay.
1: because I, I went to I think it was Nottingham and Nottingham got trams everywhere and I thought wow uh, there's there's been um you've had planes and you've had trains and different things have happened and die hard and all mm-hmm. these different things I thought nobody has, has ever done anything on a tram before so I, I, ideas popped into my head um and I, I I'm writing something kind of an adventure on a tram but it's it's got like a parallel universe in there there's a lot of action and stuff uh what other projects have I got in the ground? I think I've got. Uh, I'm, I'm written, writing something called The Reluctant Killer, which I think is a really good title. Mm-hmm. Actually. I like it's clever. Yeah, it's it's like a guy who. Uh, it's kind. It's going to be. A, that's going to be an adult book. I think it's. Uh, it's about a guy. you can see this husband and wife, and the and the husband is kind of hurting the wife a lot. Right. And he's thinking, I want to get rid of him because she's really nice. And he's plotting away on how to kill this guy, but he's not an assassin or anything. He's just an ordinary ordinary Joe, as yeah. you call him. Or Bill. Or ordinary <laughs> Bill, <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's got to work out uh, where this guy goes, his, um, his day-to-day routine, and think, well, like, if I kill him there, nobody's going to see us. Yeah. And he, he's building up, the, and he's like, when he gets to the point where he can do it, can he actually do it? Because, yeah. you know, is he reluctant to do it. Yeah. So I just thought that was a good idea. Rather it's an interesting than, concept. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know where that can be made. <laughs> hey, that's, you just run with it. You yeah, just take yeah. him and run.
0: Right. It, it reminded me slightly of one of my favorite, Alfred Hitchcock uh, Presents TV Shows About Serial Killers. I think it was much different, but um, a letter arrives in the post that basically said, when Bill dies, <laughs> you'll get $1,000. Yeah, yeah. And the next day he gets cash $1,000 in the post. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's cool. Next letter says... When Joe dies, <laughs> you're gonna get a thousand dollars. Yeah. And it goes up and by the end of it, the money is, you know, when this person dies, you'll get a million dollars. Yeah. And he finds himself actually murdering that person.
1: <laughs> right. the next
0: day he gets another letter that says, How do you like your new job? Something along those lines yeah. where he accidentally fell into being a serial killer. Yeah. In that sort of <laughs> sense. So that was a f- that was what it made him think of. So it is a very, very cool concept. Well, but.
1: I, I read a book a long time ago because a friend of mine told me about it is The author is actually, he, he died years ago. He was a comedian, Eric Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Wise. Yeah, yeah. And Bring he brought, Me Sunshine. Yeah, he brought a lot of kid, children's books out, which I didn't realize. Mm. And the, the book was called The Reluctant Vampire. He was a vampire. He didn't want to... Uh, didn't want to bite anybody's neck and, and get you wanted a ham sandwich. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's great. So <laughs> that might've kind of um, set me off on the Maybe. Killer. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting.
0: Well, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you uh, here. Thank you as I've well been, for, for being kind enough and comfortable enough to come to my home to do this. Oh, it's brilliant. Um, I was glad when, cause I obviously, when I meet a new person and want to do a show with them, I put it out there and I say, Skype is a way. Face-to-face is always an option, yeah. but it's easier for then for me to let that person make the choice. Yeah. I was very glad that you wanted to do it face-to-face because after doing this for years, yeah, there's never a better podcast than being able to chat yeah. with somebody delays on Skype and freezes and yeah, different things. So I was really glad you, you, you know, you wanted to do it in person. Um, the Rhonda book fair is Saturday, September the 3rd. For those of you listening, you know, soon and very in relative time, but no matter when you're listening, it is going to be an ongoing event, so whatever year you're listening to this, it's kind of like time travel. <laughs> you Google Rhonda Book Fair. I'm sure there's one coming up, but yep. it is Saturday, September the third. Uh, you can meet many authors. Um, Rhonda Book Fair on Facebook.
1: Rhonda Book Fair 2016. Or Perfect. 2016 is goes on official Facebook page. There you go. And all the uh, all the details you need are all on there. And I'd love to see you come along on the day. Absolutely. Now, for uh,
0: finding yourself, uh, you do something very clever, which is you use the same name on everything. You're not, you know, this name on Facebook. I believe you are just Colin R. Parsons on everything.
1: Well, I'm glad you introduced me as Colin R. Parsons because everybody introduced me as Colin Parsons.
0: Well, your book cover says Colin R. Parsons.
1: Because when I started out, there was another author called Colin Parsons. Ah, That's why I put my middle name in there. There we are. I guess I'm an egomaniac too, and I was like,
0: <laughs> Well that's what he wrote down is his name,
1: so that's how I'm gonna say it. I do on on Twitter and everything He's always calling up. Yeah, because
0: you find a lot of guys will be oh, well on Facebook I'm this, but yeah. on Twitter I'm that. Yeah. Marketing, as we've been talking yeah, about. Exactly. You just gotta stick to one even thing. So Colin R. Parsons will find your Twitter, your Facebook, and your official website as yeah, well. dot com. Um, dot com. <laughs> There's a question I forgot to ask. You that's have an okay. audio book made. Yeah. Um I've always found those things fascinating because I love listening to audiobooks. Did you have much involvement in that or did someone just come to you and say, we're going to turn it into an audio? Well,
1: I've, I've actually got three audiobooks. There we go. Oh, it Wizards, Wizards Kingdom, Kingdom, yep. Cran- Crank Tech 1, and House of Dark. Um, so I don't know. I, I was on the net one day because uh, normally if you have, because I, what I didn't mention earlier is I'm a hybrid author, what I call a hybrid. I'm traditionally published and self. Yeah. Uh, normally, you're either traditionally published and and do everything um, with the publisher, or a lot of people self-publish these days, uh, mm-hmm. and they just bring stuff out on their own. But I, I do the two sides of it, and I I was fishing about on the net one day and I I came across a Harry Potter kind of spin-off series, right? And it was called fan fiction. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, wow, how are they getting away with this? Because uh, J.K. Rowling got berserk, but no, she can. Do, she she said it's fine. Uh, yeah. So. The people who were involved with an audio company um, so I I, be, I I looked around for a couple of audio companies and I th- they would like my stuff and they wanted to you put them into audiobooks. Nice. so they they got an actor yeah um, and the fun part as is, is when they actually send you the tracks yeah and to see whether you you, uh, you like the person who speaks the right. way, the way yeah, his yeah. voice sounds and stuff yeah and I really enjoyed that because the very first time I think it was Wizards kingdom um, they sent me all the tracks I put the headphones on. It's the first time I ever heard my books.
0: Right, I can imagine. That. And
1: I got goosebumps listening yeah, to it. And I thought, "Wow!" Because
0: you're like, "This is really good. Who wrote <laughs> this?" And you're like, "Oh, it was me."
1: <laughs> it it does get like that sometimes. Yeah. Sure you look back and think, "Did I actually write that segment?" Right. It's really good. Could yeah. it be me? But no. Um, and there weren't like special effect sounds or anything yeah. in there. Just a really good voice. And that's they, right. they bring the story together. and Because uh, these days, if you can get your book in paperback and Kindle, and then you can get the audiobook to it, there's a big audience, especially Germany. Germany mm. are huge On for audio books. Right. And the next stage then is this uh, the movie thing, yeah. which everybody's going to Amazon Prime and yeah, of course. Netflix and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So that's what I want now. But audio books I love, to be honest. Yeah. Because I, I kind of used to listen to audio books when I was a kid yeah before i started reading yeah. which i should have been doing i used to listen to audio cassettes yeah, which was a time machine mm-hmm. day of the triffids yeah um uh the lost world which was like jurassic park yeah i still remember borrowing them from the library yeah and they were cassettes and they, yeah. they get jammed up sometimes but that listening to a, if you listen to a voice in the darkness it opens it all up. It's like watching a 3D television without having it. Yeah. Your yeah. mind takes over and that's what got me into all yeah. this. And then the C.S. Lewis thing reading in class.
0: Yeah, of course, because you have a professional voice reading your words. Yeah. It, it just gives a oh, whole other...
1: It, 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 it's, it's amazing yeah. when you listen to your own story. Having an advanced copy in your hands is amazing. The next level up is listening to your own story. Yeah. yeah. It's it's
0: something... I, I once had a, a, a pretty prominent radio DJ send me a sounder for one of these shows like a you know you're listening to blah, blah, blah. yeah yeah but he did it in such a professional tone yeah and he sa- when i first heard it i went what podcast is that for that sounds awesome but it was because he did it on such a professional level that i was yeah. like yeah it's unbelievable because obviously i can say the name of my podcast but when a professional says it you're like it must be legit that guy said <laughs> our name <laughs> yeah. so there we are i'll take the mandatory selfie as we finish up our show here and uh there we are it doesn't matter if I'm in it too much. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> uh, any final
1: thoughts? Uh, have you enjoyed your first podcast? Uh, I've loved it, to be honest. This um, but this this fantastic uh, person called Matt who's been asking me all these questions. Is it's been very friendly. Excellent. Uh, I mean, I d- I don't know uh, what it'd be like doing it actually live if there's more nerves involved, but maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's and it's interesting to to have different kind of. Uh, different questions thrown at you instead of the usual, what's your favorite book? Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite character? And all these. And I, I, that's what I like about school visits. Sometimes you'll get a child who will say, and will throw a completely different question. Yeah. And it's great. You've got to spend time to think about it. Absolutely. But the actual, I mean, the setup we've got here with all these fantastic figurines.
0: Thank you for not saying dolls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, um, like I said, they're all... Um, wrestlers that kind of thing that's right absolutely i've, I've got formula one cars in, in my yeah room, that's your is, crutch isn't that, it that's, that's,
0: that's your thing yeah crutch crutch as in <laughs> sort of um
1: crutch I thought it was yeah no 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 crutch <laughs> this is the pg show please
0: <laughs> oh and uh, before i forget because you do a lot of kids shows and, and schools and things like that if you've joined us today because you obviously you know our good friend here yeah. um the other shows on this network may not be suitable for you yeah. so I just want to put out there if you're listening with the kids we're so glad that you did yeah. please continue to check out his wonderful books but as far as the other podcasts on this very channel go please don't listen to them if you're with the kids if you're yeah. the grownups and you want to listen you please listen <laughs> you're most welcome Yeah. the other shows aren't for kids so yeah. I've said it now and now neither of us neither of us gets sued exactly absolutely Well, you know, it's been uh, fantastic. I love doing podcasting, but I love doing it more with great people, friendly people, and interesting people. Because the guy who usually sits there is not interesting in the least (laughs) and has nothing of any interest to say. So that's you, JP, if you're listening. Just kidding. I love you. And happy birthday today, by the way. Uh, So it's been another edition of Get Geeked. Of course, brought to you by Geeked Fest and Sin City Comics. And, of course, Rhonda Book Fair, Saturday, September the 3rd. Check it out online with a great little Google. If you don't know how to spell Rhonda, which I don't either, it's okay. Google Colin R. Parsons, and we'll find that for you. No problem. Thank you once again for being here, sir. Thank you, Mark. I've enjoyed it. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, please remove yourselves from my nerd science fiction podcast.